1: My phone was blowing up yesterday afternoon and all the way into the evening. I got text messages from buddies from Illinois to Oklahoma and every place in between going, it's not going well for Brian Kelly down at LSU. (laughs) I said, well, it's been a rough first week. Rough first week. That's definitely for sure. It's not a rough week for us here on RP3 and Company. It is hump day, which means we will be unveiling our foodie poll question of the week. And it's inspired by the impromptu, the surprising revelation from producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah, five names of what she deems a snack. Also slash breakfast food, which caused alarm amongst many of you, as it did yours truly. We're going to get to the Astros wasting a quality start by Framer Valdez by not scoring enough runs. We're going to talk New Orleans Saints football. We're going to talk opening week of the NFL. That's all happening this week. We have three guests lined up for you today. Ron Higgins, the Mad Dog. We'll talk all things LSU coming up at 7.30. At 8 o'clock, we're going to talk Southern Jaguars football with the Advocates' Jim Klein, Peter, who covers the Jags. They're coming off a record-setting season opener. They're going to be playing LSU, going to be getting a lot of money to play LSU. They have something special planned with the bands. We'll talk about that with Jim Klein, Peter, at 8 o'clock. And then at 8.30, Big Easy Blitz time with Andrew Juge of the Saints Happy Hour Podcast. So we've got three guests lined up for you today. Of course, we will take your phone calls. We will talk about the foodie poll question of the day, of the week rather, which is our poll question of the day on Wednesdays. But we're going to start off talking about the smack talk that's already ensuing from the producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah Five-Names. Give you a little bit of background. This coming weekend, her favorite baseball team, the Seattle Mariners, is taking on my favorite baseball team, the Atlanta Braves. She was already getting chippy about that, and that occurred on Tuesday. On top of that, we had the RP3 and Company Fantasy Football League draft last night, which I felt went very well. The majority of you actually showed up to draft your team. It was a massive 14-team league. So it took a little bit while, but because we had the two-minute restrictions, most people got their picks in in a timely fashion. Some of you didn't show up, so it had to wait till the clock ran out, and then the computer picked the player for you. I got a text message from one of said of players. Said, Bruh, I forgot about the draft <laughs> I said bruh yeah you did but we had our fantasy football league draft and as expected I hate my team and I announced that with my fifth pick I was like I already hate my team 14 team league is massive right it takes forever to get back to you I picked at number five, five names picked at number 10 in the snake style draft. Well, guess who has to face each other the very first week? Already the smack talk has occurred with the Mariners Brave series on deck for the weekend. But now Miss Fang is already starting to talk smack about our matchup, by the way. The service that we're using is Sleeper. We're using the Sleeper app for our Fantasy Football League. It favored Hannah last night after the draft, 51-49. to 49. This morning I wake up, it's now
2: 50-50. Yes. I can tell you why. Do you want to know why?
1: I'd love to know why.
2: So, because I was inviting James to the league, which happened seven minutes before the league's draft started, He went and said, hey, I really want Saquon Barkley, but I think he's going to go before it gets to me. So what we did is that I drafted Saquon Barkley, and he drafted Leonard Fournette for me so that we could both get our players, and then we just traded after. I
1: I think he got the better deal.
2: So, yeah.
1: (laughs) When healthy, Barkley's a a more dynamic, all-purpose running back than Leonard Fournette.
2: Yeah, I did not have help at all in my draft. (laughs) With James on the phone yesterday for the entire draft.
1: So l- let's look at this matchup here because it says it's fifty-fifty: the big bald and beautiful one versus the Trey Quanzelizer rifle.
2: Yeah, Trey Quan Smith and Andy <laughs> Dalton. Yes, and
1: yes, it's very good. It's very creative. I'm very Thank you. proud. Stafford versus Mahomes. I feel like you got the advantage there. Eckler, Fournette, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who I already regretted taking, but I was so desperate for another running back, I was just like, I guess I'm taking Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. ATN for, for you, the pride of Jennings. I took Debo Samuel. You have Jamar Chase. I have DK Metcalf. You have Bateman. At tight end, I took... Hawkinson out of Detroit. What am I doing drafting Lion players? You took Schultz. I took McLaren from Washington. Once again, never draft a guy from your own team. What am I doing? I make poor decisions. You drafted Chris Alave. I have Christian Kirk as another flex because we have two flex in our league set up. And then I took Robbie Gold and his 53-year-old self. You have Buckert kicker, and then I have the Ravens defense. You have the Colts defense. So this is pretty evenly matched. Now, I also stashed some guys away late. Like, I got to the point in the draft after I took my defense, I started feeling good about myself because there was value. So I, I snook I, – I was sneaky. I got Jameis and Winston. I got Jameis Winston late. And I was like, uh-oh. And then I even like even, even Mesh was like, Oh, that's a good pick because I'm high on Winston. I think he's going to have a good season around 4,000 yards, 35 touchdowns, less than 15 picks. That could be better than Matthew Stafford. So I may have a guy that I may be able to swap out at quarterback during the season. And I also took a flyer on Harty because you got Thomas, you got Alave, you have Landry. Those are the three guys that are going to eat up most of the receptions for the Saints. But Hardy's also a return guy. So, I don't know. But I I hate my team. (laughs) I just, I look at it and I go, what am I doing? Why am I so bad at this? But the smack talk already commencing from you. Only your second year in fantasy football. (laughs) I'm entering year 19. Our two baseball teams face off this weekend. And on top of it, on top of it, we got to work the Louisiana Raging Cajuns game together on Saturday night, 6 o'clock kick, Eastern Michigan Eagles. They're flying (laughs) in.
2: That's how you go and knew what I was saying. You could have said anything else. I I did the little bird flap, and you're like, oh, yeah, they're the Eagles. Yes. That's what I got out of that in (laughs) fiction.
0: Yes. So,
1: so. And then there's also the kid's birthday party uh, earlier on Saturday. I don't know. Is this too much? Is this too much five names in RP3? <laughs> Possibly. But it's fine. But it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Do we need to put ground rules here for the smack talk?
2: Well, it depends. Because, because I'm not a big
1: smack. I, I, don't, I don't talk a lot of smack.
2: Yeah. You, if, you, if you're not like foot, because foot, I talk very much smack to me. He talked smack to Paul because I played against his, the Yankees. Correct. But like, he didn't talk a lot of smack. Paul to Paul forgot me. about
1: the draft, by the way. That's who forgot. That's who texted me later. Forgot about the draft. He said he forgot about two of his drafts.
2: <laughs> Good job, there, bud.
1: Oh man. I mean,
2: I don't think we'll get too feisty in our smack talk to like head to set rules. I don't know. It'd be fine.
1: No, no we're, we're, we, uh, we treat it, uh, each other with a, a certain level of respect.
2: Yeah, I still remember you're my boss, so, you know, there's that.
1: There is that. <laughs> New intern, pay attention. <laughs> there's only so much smack talk you can have around here. Now, I'm, pre- I'm pretty laid back. Now, uh, I am. I'm, I'm, I find myself to be fairly laid back with the staff. What do I care more about, though? Because, see, here's – that's the big question. My Braves are not in the same league as the Mariners. So, if we drop two of three to you guys this coming weekend, it doesn't really impact us all that much, even though we've caught the Mets now in the National League East standings. That insurmountable lead that they built up, guess what, withered away as the calendar turned to September. It would sting, don't get me wrong, but it's not like losing to the Phillies. Right? Or losing to the Mets. Or losing to the Dodgers. This is losing to Seattle. That's not even a team in my own division. Once again, rule of thumb, I never root for a team in my division. Ever. In my division or conference. I'm not SEC chant guy. I don't root for a team that that, this this. This thought process of, well, oh uh, man, you know, they're representing the division or they're representing the conference. You should root for them. No, 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 no. I root for my team. My team. So will that sting to have my team lose a weekend series to your Mariners? Yes. Will it hurt more than losing the first week of fantasy football?
2: I don't think so. Man no matter what, I'm going to be hyped by both. Or I'll be sad about one or the other. It doesn't matter to me. I'll still be sad or still be happy. But I, I think if you're looking for importance to worry about, it's probably going to be the Fantasy League first week matchup instead of
1: But see, I don't care us. about fantasy like I used to. Oh. Pre-kiddo Raymond obsessed about fantasy. I'd buy multiple fantasy football magazines. I would bring out my charts, I would do. I would have notes, I would have draft strategies, I would do mock drafts. Do you know how much research I did before we drafted last night for the RP3 and company Fantasy Football League?
2: I'm going to say as much as I did, which is zero.
1: Boom. Boom.
2: I had one thought. <laughs> Make sure my QB is Patrick Mahomes.
1: I had a general strategy of okay, I got to take running backs, wide receivers, and, and you know I got to make sure to fill up my roster. That was it. That, yeah. that that was it. I've been playing it for 19 years, so it's not. It doesn't mean that much. So I don't. I don't think there's going to be. My point is, I don't think there's going to be a lot of smack talk this weekend because your team is not in the same division with my team, not in even the same league. So it doesn't bother me.
2: No, I just make sure.
1: Right? Guess, it, does, it, it, separates it doesn't you from the me. Mets.
2: If the Mets win this weekend and you lose this weekend, then you'll then I'll below be below the Mets.
1: I'll probably be more testy about that because I don't like the Mets. I'm trying not to use the word hate as much these days. You
2: dislike with a passion.
1: I dislike with a passion. The Mets, the Phillies, they top my list.
2: I don't like Tampa Bay.
1: And Dodgers, because Dodgers used to be in the same division as the Braves, which makes no sense. Those are the three. Those are my three. Mariners. Hey, man, who didn't love King Gifford Jr. back in the day? I did. I had the 1989 Upper Deck baseball card. Just
2: saying. Just saying.
1: We got to take it. What now?
2: 44. That's it.
1: Yes, I'll be. I'm not 44 yet. Not
2: you. I'm talking about Julio Rodriguez. 44. Let's go.
1: Let's go. I thought that was a shot at my age. That'll be the age I'll turn on the 13th, by the way. (laughs) We got to take a tight. It's a good start already. It's a good start. I can already imagine what this weekend's going to be like. Good start to today's show. When we come back here on RP3 and Company, we will unveil the foodie poll question of the week, which, of course, is our poll question of the day every single Wednesday. You're listening to The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
0: A recent survey discovered that game listeners prefer our station than going to the dentist. Take that, dental hygiene. This is The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the National Football League, is giving new customers a can't-miss offer to celebrate the start of the new football season, which, by the way, kicks off Thursday night. Bet just $5 on Thursday's game and get $200 in free bets instantly. And as an added bonus for Thursday, everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings' early win promotion. It's simple. Bet on Buffalo or LA to win. If your team leads by seven at any point during the game, you get paid instantly even if your team loses. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code 1037GAME to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on Thursday night football. That's code 1037GAME, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 years of age to play, physically present in Louisiana. Select parishes only. Bonus issued as free bets. One early win token issued at opt-in. Moneyline bets only. Deposit and wagering restrictions do apply. Eligibility in terms of DraftKings.com slash football terms. Licensee partner is Golden Nugget Lake Charles. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-877-770-STOP. Fantasy football draft in the books. How much smack talk will Hannah Five Names and yours truly be spewing at each other? We face each other in the very opening weekend as our baseball teams will be taking on each other as well this weekend could be a tense weekend on rp3 and company she's already showing her fist fist of fury over there i wouldn't get too cocky over their five names because it's time for our foodie poll question of the week inspired by the ridiculousness that is your diet which has made people extremely concerned for your well-being so much so that some people have commented that they're worried that you're not going to make it to the age of 30. If In case you missed it, on yesterday's show, the lovely young lady, hardworking, the LAB award winner for radio student broadcaster of the year, soon to be married in April, nuptials are right around the corner, slips up that she had ramen noodles, for breakfast. And I went, how did you have time to heat up the ramen noodles? Because something clicked inside my head. And this is where she unveils that sometimes she will straight up eat ramen noodles, which she calls Raymond noodles, even though there's not a Y or a D in the name. And says that she'll just open up the pack of the ramen... Crack it open, pour a little bit of the seasoning on there, and eat it dry like a candy bar.
2: One, I crunch them up first. I don't just eat it as the straight square. I, like, smash them or, like, I break them with my, the, I guess you say the palm. I have the palm of my hand, but, like, the bottom of my hand. And then I eat them like that. And just to make you better, I have Easy Mac for breakfast today.
1: These are things that are not <laughs> intended for breakfast that you keep putting in your body as breakfast items. That is going to be a separate discussion that makes me worried uh, about you.
2: Well, I didn't have time to make grits this morning and put the cheese and the crystals on it of course so because i didn't want to like bring the cheese and the crystals in a little container and then make the grits here i just made easy mac because then that's going to be easier i could just put it in the microwave to it back out later
1: it doesn't taste the same as it does on the stove but i'll continue Okay. anyway okay that lended that inspired this revel a revelation if you will yesterday on rp3 and company Inspired our foodie poll question of the week, which is our poll question of the day on Wednesdays. We ask you, do you eat ramen noodles dry like five names? Right now, 100% of you say no. Let's get to some comments, shall we? John Paul Cajun Daddy says, No, no, no. Dry is nasty. When I was single and poor, it was a staple. Best way to prepare makes 12 meals, 12 pack of ramen, two packs of bars, S hot dogs, and a block of Velveeta. Makes 13 servings of creamy weenie noodles. JPK, the OD, says, no, what are we, squirrels? John Paul, the Cajun Daddy, then just shares a big gif of a giant bowl of deliciously cooked ramen Hart says on twitter dry ramen you get a straight jacket and you get a straight jacket and shares of course the oprah gif that is well known side note what's the difference between the falcons and a dollar bill you can get four quarters out of a dollar hashtag falcons hate week
2: as <laughs> the gif probably is doing
1: <laughs> yes he's playing yeah he's doing the drum sound So right now, people are beside themselves with your eating the ramen noodles dry. I slipped up and told it to Steve because he wanted to know what we were going to be discussing later on today. And he loud out a big, big hearty chuckle about the fact that you eat ramen noodles dry.
2: Mr. Green does too, by the way. We discussed it yesterday.
1: Mr. Green also made the decision to attend, and proudly root for Northwestern State. We all fall short of the glory from time to time. (laughs) You do have some people out there. Who else? Oh, my bud, Jarrett Lopez, says he's done it as well. My mother-in-law does it. Jamie does it. You do it. So there's people out there that do this. I just don't know why. Walk me through your process. You look at the ramen, you go, hey, instead of microwaving this for, I don't know, a minute 45.
2: Three and a half.
1: Okay. Microwaving this for three and a half minutes. I'm going to say, no, 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 no. I'm going to break it up and eat it like stale potato chips. Why?
2: I mean, to me, it's like eating, like, a different season of, like, Cheez-Its because Cheez-Its are yummy and crunchy. But, I mean, it just depends on your time and what you're feeling like. Like, do I feel like going and burning the side of my lip because it's always I mean, one noodle that's always really, really hot? Either I blow on it before I eat it? Yes. So, I don't want to do that. So, instead, I get to go and take my anger out, I take the bag, and then I slam it on the ground.
1: So, so and- you... You instead choose not to burn the inside of your mouth. Mm -hmm. Instead, cut the inside of your mouth with the razor-sharp ramen noodles that have not been cooked.
2: They aren't razor-sharp. There's a good snack that depends on what kind you get. Like, they have the creamy chicken. That one's really good. Dry. But it's also, like, extra good whenever it is cooked. But, like, the chicken picante I had yesterday. It's, like, a little little spicy. I don't like the judgment. It's as bad a judgment as we gave I, M- M- Matt when we said he uses barbecue sauce on a steak.
1: Well, that's an awful decision as well. Look, look, there's awful decisions. Yes, Matt Miguez, host of Crunch Time with Miguez and Mess, admitted to us that he puts barbecue sauce on steak, not pork steak, steak.
2: And it's like use it medium well or something.
1: Yeah, he likes it. He likes it rubbery, and and then douse it with barbecue sauce. Well, what's the point? just just i don't know what you're doing just go eat some beef jerky be done with it and dip it in barbecue sauce you maniac so are we having ramen dry at your wedding is there any way to fold in come april that we somehow have a nice gag gift of ramen noodles dry as a snack in like a bowl like for potato chips uh
2: no it's not the plan i was trying to get Kenneth to change our other entree and have us have red beans and rice with sausage.
1: Ooh. What, 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 what's the entree that you guys picked that you're trying to get him to change?
2: Well, we have baked chicken and then we have chicken Alfredo.
1: Oh, you can't have so two I chickens? Feel like, yeah. So you I was like, we got
2: to change one of them. So he said chicken Alfredo is what he wants. So i probably changing the baked chicken.
1: There we go. There we go. Yeah. There we go. What if I buy you a case of ramen for your wedding? Would you be receptive to that? Would you like that instead of you know I could get you like a crystal place setting or whatever plates you put on your registry or you know by the way half the stuff you put on your wedding registry you will never use you will you you will then sell it a yard sale five years later I assure you, it, but I feel like if I got you a case of ramen noodles, you'd be like, "Thanks, RP3. You're looking yeah. out for me.
2: You would. I'd be receptive of that. Yeah. All yeah. all of our registry." Yes. Is, though, like, things to update. Like, we have, because we've been living together for about four years now, we have a lot of the usual items, so everything's, like, upgrading them. So, like, we have a vacuum, but, like, it's a better vacuum. I think like, a Roomba on there. Oh,
3: it, it's your I don't have a toaster,
1: You, so. you got to put the Roomba on there. Someone will buy it.
2: Someone probably will. You have, like, a ring doorbell, too. Put all that on there.
1: <laughs> there we go. And a,
2: like, 2,000-piece Lego set of Harry Potter, because that's what I wanted. But there's also the honeymoon fund where you just literally just put money onto the honeymoon fund to, like, go towards our honeymoon.
1: There we go. There we go. Keep voting on our poll question of the day. Do you eat your ramen noodles dry like Five Names? Five Names says she crumbles them up, season them, and then she eats them essentially like a potato chip or cheese it, as she likes to describe it. Or do you think – that she possibly has contacted the mad cow disease. You let us know. Go vote on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. Just make sure you keep it clean for the kids. Brian Kelly spoke to the media yesterday. It was memorable. We'll we'll share with what we'll share with what he had to say with you. That's coming up next here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
0: There are two types of sports reporters. Those who are respected for their ability at building relationships with coaches and players. And here's our game plan. Then there are those whose method of reporting is getting hammered with a college football team and Pat O's. We're going streaking! We'll let you guess which one RP3 is. Back to more RP3 and company on The Game. 37, Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana's fort Station
4: yeah
5: I mean you know I think there were a number of those guys that were um, disappointed in their in their their play and they're so hard on themselves. They want to succeed at such a high level. So, yeah, I had a conversation with Kayshawn, and and, uh, his standard is so high. Obviously, it it was a difficult day for him. It wasn't his best, but he's going to have great games, and and it's going to be in the totality of his work that he's going to be evaluated. You know, he hadn't played in a while. He had been out with an injury. Maybe there was a little rust there. I, I, he's the least guy that I'm concerned about on our offense, but he's not. You know, he, he carries that with him every single day. So, yes, he's he's learning how to deal with that. And he's a young man who hasn't been in this situation before, and he needs some guidance. And so we spent some time, and, you know, we worked some things out that will help him handle the scrutiny. Uh, and, and quite frankly, the, the scrutiny was – was was strong, you know. His reaction was probably similar to what my reaction would be as a sixty-year-old. I mean, and and uh, he has handled it uh, in a manner that he'll learn from and continue to grow from.
1: LSU head coach Brian Kelly addressing Keishawn Butte situation at his weekly press conference that was held yesterday. Of course, the Tigers fell to Florida State in dramatic fashion 24-23 inside the Caesars Superdome Sunday night in the All-State Louisiana kickoff. In that game, Boutte did not have his best, right? Dropped a touchdown pass on the very first possession of the game. Later in the game, he didn't turn around, which would have been a touchdown. Not on the same page with his quarterback. He was visibly frustrated. You know, an interesting offseason for Kayshawn. It looked like he was going to be going to Alabama via the NCAA transfer portal. He didn't. He was coming off the injury. He got the Gordon McKernan NIL deal. Then he was kind of called out a little bit by his new coach. Now we have the season opener where he didn't have his best game. I like what Kelly says there, though. Look, he understands that Boutte is his most talented wide receiver, All-American, record-breaking wide out. But Kayshawn's also had to deal with frustration ever since he got to LSU. A prized recruit that comes in and has had to deal with back-to-back awful seasons. Coaches fired. They're in a rebuilding mode. This is going to be his last year. He's never going to come close to tasting the success of competing for a championship. How many quarterbacks has he has Kayshaun Boutte played with? What, five, six now in three years? It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot of different guys. So, Kelly's trying to handle it. He understands. They obviously had a conversation, what they can do to – you know, have Kayshawn kind of deal with adversity a little bit more, deal with the frustration a little bit more. You also saw Jane Daniels talking to him during the game on the sideline. I like that if I'm an LSU fan. And look, I said it on Monday's show, and I said it yesterday, and I'll say it again. Jane Daniels was not the problem. There were a couple throws that weren't great. The kid was running for his life, and he still nearly pulled off a comeback for his team. He showed some leadership, showed some guts. Jaden Daniels was not the problem Sunday night inside the Caesar Superdome. Offensive play calling, not a great offensive line, even worse. Middle of the defense, not good. Special teams, awful. Speaking of special teams, Malik Neighbors, just like Kayshawn Butte is from the 337. Butte, of course, went to Westgate High School. Malik Neighbors went to Como High School before trying to transfer to Southside. He had a game that he'd like to forget, muffing not one but two punts in the game. Now, thankfully for the Tigers, those did not result in any points. Florida State did not capitalize on the miscues. But Brian Kelly gave us an update about if he's sticking with Malik Neighbors at returning kicks or not.
5: You know, we had the first muff punt, and it was my decision to stick with Malik. You know, we always are benefited by hindsight, right? You know, but I felt like he's an elite athlete, he's confident, and, and I wanted to show that confidence in him. That's my call in that situation. So, you know, one of them is on him. The other was uh, Coach Kelly sticking with him. Uh, I guess you could say. As it relates to the field goal extra point situation, we made a change. We flipped personnel over from that left side uh, and and moved somebody over there that we felt would shore that side up. We kicked the extra point with success and had the look we wanted. And then on the the final PAT, uh, we didn't execute the way we needed to.
1: So special teams was a bit of a mix. He did say yesterday – during the press conference, that Malik would still be in the mix, but former Lafayette Christian Academy star Sage Ryan and another player would kind of be in the mix at the return game. So they could use multiple guys instead of it all just being on Malik's shoulders. I mentioned to you that Jane Daniels was not the issue. He was not the problem. He's not the reason why LSU lost the other night. And Brian Kelly talked about his thoughts on what the former Arizona State starting quarterback did in his first start for the Tigers
5: yeah I think I've talked a little bit about it I think early recognition needs to be better but I thought he competed well I thought later in the game he definitely settled into some you know really good rhythm I think when we did go some tempo that really you know benefited him Um, I thought late his pocket presence was excellent he knew when to run he knew when to stay in the pocket and, and find you know the open receiver so you know, I think first game, you know, kind of a mixed bag early on, settled into it nicely as the game went on. That's not good enough against good teams. You know, you got to be ready to go right out. And I think this will be, you know, probably a really good game, this past game, for him to to really um, learn from and, and up his game.
1: It's a good start. He showed some heart, he showed some leadership, and he did make some plays. He's got to get better. Can you imagine if Miles Brennan was back there? We, we could be having conversations this week about Miles Brennan being in a coma. If it wasn't for Daniels' ability to be mobile, LSU very well could have not scored anything. He's going to keep them in games because he's going to have to. Because here's the thing you don't fix an offensive line during the season. There, there's not a stopgap measure. There, there there just isn't. You can tweak a few things. You can maybe move a guy from right tackle to left or left to right or flip the guards or whatever you may want to do. There's some minor tweaks you can do, but an offensive line isn't exponentially going to get better all of a sudden. They'll get slightly better, but it's not going to be like night and day. And Once again, this is the third year in a row we're talking about the offensive line at LSU, which should be an easy place to recruit and develop offensive linemen, Not being very good. They got to fix that in a hurry. They want LSU to be back to being a contender. Brian Kelly's got to make offensive line a priority. He did with bringing in Will Campbell, who looked okay starting at left tackle. But they got to get that offensive line better in a hurry. On the defensive side of the line, Mason Smith. We got the update yesterday from Brian Kelly about the immensely talented young player who injured his leg while celebrating another player's tackle. Had to be helped off the field, taken to the medical tent, and then taken to the locker room. He was seen later on crutches wearing a boot. Brian Kelly gave us the update on the immensely talented young man.
5: Yes, I can confirm uh, our doctors uh, confirmed an ACL tear yesterday um, after an MRI, which, you know, obviously uh, were, we're crushed for him because he was celebrating for a teammate on the play, trying to show his support for a teammate. And so anytime you, you suffer an injury under those circumstances, you know, it's extremely disappointing. He's a great player. Uh, you know, you're going to miss great players, but, you know, it's it's next man in now for us from that standpoint. So you got to count on you know, other guys to step up, and they did in the game. You know, I, I think our defi- defensive line rallied, played as hard as they could. You su- certainly wouldn't, uh, after film studies, single that out as a reason uh, for not having success. Um, so we'll call on some other players to step up in that role, and, and um, you know, we'll have to be, in some instances, creative, you know, putting guys in position where we can succeed defensively.
1: He said next man up, right? Well, who's that going to be? Who are going to be those players that are going to have to fill the void that was expected to be filled by Mason Smith this season on the Tigers' defensive line?
5: Oh, Makai has been amazing. He's been a great leader. He won this week's SWAT team points again. He's, he's a terrific leader. Um, he played very well in the game. He's active. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, Mason Smith is, a you know, It's hard to compare anybody to Mason Smith, his size, his athleticism. Um, But Makai Wingo is going to be Makai Wingo. And what he does is extremely effective as a football player. And um, he gets now, obviously, a a bigger share of that work. Um, And it'll be incumbent upon some others to to step up as well.
1: They'll start – doing that this week when southern comes to town we'll talk more about that matchup and that game and the state of the program after the opener with ron higgins who will join us at 7 30 this morning but right now we got to take a timeout. but before we do so i need you to remind you here in louisiana there are thousands of miles of utility lines and gas pipelines buried just beneath the surface sometimes multiple lines are in one area so look if you are a contractor that you've hired is digging a hole to put in a new fence, a pool, or any other reason, you run the risk of hitting an underground line by digging only a few inches. What happens then? Maybe you only knock the power out for your entire neighborhood, but sometimes there's an explosion with injuries and even death. It happens every single year. There's a very simple way to avoid it. Before you dig, call eight one one. Call 811 two days before you dig. Tell the operator your address, and someone's going to come out and mark the location of buried lines so you or your contractor can avoid them. It's simple, it's free of charge, it's the law. Louisiana 811 operates 811 as a public service. And to promote public safety, Louisiana 811 and the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles remind you call 811 and know what's below before you dig. The foodie poll question of the week is our poll question of the day. Every Wednesday, we asked you this morning, do you eat ramen noodles? Dry like five names. 96% of you say no. 4% say yes. Steve says, forgive my ignorance, but what are ramen noodles? (laughs) Uh, Todd on Twitter says, don't knock it till you try, try it. And he shared a GIF of Jack from The Shining. Knock, knock. That's an excellent movie, by the way. Doug has come to your defense and has even given you a recommendation. Of course he has. Recipe, crunched up noodles on a ham sandwich with hot sauce. You're welcome, Hannah. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Do you eat ramen noodles dry like five names? Our number one. Is in the books, but don't be sad. Two more hours of RP3 and company are on deck right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and you're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston
6: Astros. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: Everything, everything. Everything gonna be alright this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3.
1: Oh, yeah. Hour number two has arrived. Hour number two has arrived. Should singing be more a larger portion of what we do on RP3 and Company? I feel like that should be a poll question of the day, maybe later this week. Let the people decide, because it's all about the people. We do this for you out there listening. You drive to work or school, or if you're just at, at the house, chilling, listening to us on your Alexa, why wouldn't you be? Hey, it's your friend rp3 raymond parts the third here joined by the producer extraordinaire that's hannah five names we have a new intern in the house we will introduce him properly next hour my man i'm just gonna tell you something right now you're going you're gonna like our new intern one my man's already hustling two He's a Houston Astros fan. You're already going to love him for that. Three, he's a commuter like all of you. My man is from originally from Texas, Houston area, lives in Opelousas, works in Lafayette, interns at our station, oh, and goes to school up in Alexandria, home of the Generals, LSUA. Just saying. That's a hustle right there. He's going to fit right in. You're going to like him. We'll introduce him next hour. We spent the majority of our number one here in RP3 and Company talking about Brian Kelly's press conference, his comments. It was an interesting press conference. Of course, we'll go ahead and discuss briefly here what happened the thing that caused such a buzz on the social medias. You know, the TikTok, the Twitter the book of face, the gram, the snappy chat. That's not what they call that. That's not what they call any of those things. Hello, I'm Raymond, and I'll be 44 on the 13th. So, a reporter, this became a bit of a viral sensation yesterday. A reporter who we've had on the station before walked in late to the press conference, his weekly press conference, which, of course, we carry live right here on the game. But instead of it being on Monday, because Monday was the holiday and they played Sunday night, they had it yesterday. Well, some a few reporters walk in late and Brian Kelly makes an off-the-cuff type of remark about it, right? About them being late and, you know, typically you'd have to add money to a jar and all this other stuff. And it, it was kind of a smart-alecky thing to say. Well, the reporter had this response to Brian Kelly live during the press conference.
5: I don't think it has anything to do with winning.
1: She goes, maybe if you win, I'll be on time. Wow. That got a response nationally, of course. it's It's been wildly overblown. And, and the reason why this is, Leah Van is the reporter for The Advocate. She primarily covers baseball, but she's also a secondary LSU football reporter. She said on social media that she's, in fact, just a sassy Texan and that she has nothing but immense amount of respect for Brian Kelly, that they actually have a good working relationship since he's arrived. There's nothing about it. It was just having fun. She felt like he was having fun with her, and that's what she was doing back. It's been blown way out of proportion. Of course, she gets to be featured on the SEC Network this morning because of it. So, you know. What's the old saying? (laughs) Any publicity is good publicity. So now that we got that out of the way. But that got a response from a lot of national folks, got a response from a lot of my friends in the Midwest that go, well, it's not going great. Bad first week. And I go, time out. It's a little overblown here. Pump the brakes. So we've talked a lot of Brian Kelly, LSU, obviously in our number one. We've talked about our foodie question of the week, which is always our poll question of the day on Wednesdays. And we asked you, based on the revelation that came about yesterday, courtesy of the producer Xura Miss Hannah Five Names, do you eat ramen noodles, which is ramen, not Raymond noodles? Just like to point that out. Dry. Like, out of the bag, crush it up, put the seasoning on there. No water needed. Just pop it in your mouth like popcorn. That's how Five Names likes to roll, sometimes for breakfast. That'll be a separate discussion when we have a medical professional coming on to talk about how concerned we are about your breakfast habits. Do you eat ramen noodles dry like Five Names, yes or no? Let's get to some comments on Facebook. Brian says on facebook that sounds like something Martin would do at least until this poll makes him realize that's not the popular thing to do and then he'll start cooking them brian coming in with the shade at Martin, our buddy from erath Whoo! also close personal friend of hannah five names david ackman jr says yes the mama noodles are the best oh. thomas says no i too eat barbecue sauce on steak what are we doing people what are y'all doing out there? People are making poor decisions. What you mean you put the barbecue sauce on the steak? Let me tell you something. I'm a far more calmer person now as I approach 44 than I was in my younger years. I'll take you back. The, the, the docile big fellow you see here today. A man who's dedicated father and, you know, plays baby doll dress up and, you know, builds forts with his daughter and takes her to dancing. By the way, dancing this Thursday starts yet again. You know, this guy, not the same guy 20 years ago. 20 years ago, I was not calm, cool, and collected. I was spending my times going to metal shows and, you know, playing Grand Theft Auto and Manhunt and drinking Mountain Dew and smoking cigarettes until like 6 o'clock in the morning. So, and I had a big, huge chip on my shoulder. It's funny how life works out. Raymond from 20 years ago, if I had, say, go to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse, which, by the way, has mouth-watering steaks, you can win a gift certificate of $150 by simply joining our rewards club for free. Go do so today at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com so you can score that $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's. let's say I'm at Mr. Lester's or I'm at Legends up in Marksville or heck, if I'm at a Texas roadhouse and I'm there and I see you take a perfectly cooked steak and you douse it in barbecue sauce, there will be mockery that would have happened in the restaurant. I may even gotten a hold of the PA system. That's what have probably would have occurred. I'm far more laid back these days. But what are we doing? Barbecue sauce? Why are you putting barbecue sauce on a perfectly good steak? No. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. So we've been talking about that poll question. Let's head out to the hotline. Do we still have Reynolds? Reynolds, good morning, sir. How are you on this glorious Wednesday?
7: I'm doing wonderful. First doing question. Wonderful.
1: First question to you. Do you put barbecue sauce on a perfectly cooked steak? Uh,
7: no, not normally. Uh, but oh, but
1: there we go. I
7: have experimented. It's better not a sweet one, but a savory, barbe- light barbecue sauce, vinegar based. It, it will work, but typically, no. A good, good uh, ribeye just seared really well on its own. Maybe, maybe some compound butter on top. Oh, there we go.
1: Now, 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 now you're talking my language. Okay. That I'm glad we got that out of the way. What about ramen noodles dry, Ronald? What, 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 what are we doing here? How do do you, how how do you come down on eating ramen noodles dry out of the bag, bud?
7: Okay. So, so if you remember, I'm a chef, right?
1: Yes, I do remember. This This is why I need your insight.
7: so I am uh Hannah Five Names broke my heart. I lost all respect for her.
1: Oh, five names. See what you're doing to the people at
7: least, at least at least for the next five minutes. Okay. So God made something in us to cool down ramen. It's called breath. You blow on it, or you sit it on the counter. <laughs>
2: I do that but if I don't have time I'm rushing out the door I don't have time to blow on it I'm trying to drive any wake ramen up noodles
7: earlier. wake up earlier come on now oh
5: it's just a <laughs> now, snacky now, snack
7: now uh, I tell you what what you can do with those ramen noodles that are dry for your wedding instead of rice crumple them up and have your people throw oh. the ramen noodles dry
2: oh yeah there we go I spent a whole little five bucks that sounds perfect
1: Say that's a great there idea, Reynolds.
7: Thank you, brother. So, so, with that said, I'm disappointed in Hannah Dames, but I have a prediction. I think she will crush all y'all faces in fantasy football.
2: It's gonna happen.
1: I feel like I feel like it's gonna happen. It's gonna start off with Week One
2: when she
7: faces <laughs>
1: yours truly, brother.
7: Well, I mean, it one week at a
1: time to the Super Bowl and win it all. There it is. Thank you, Reynold, for your phone call, brother. Appreciate you. Yeah, have, have a great day. Have a great day. day. See? See? You see what he did there? That's, the, you know, R- Reynold, because he calls so much, he's become part of the family now. So he he steps in. He's like, look, I'm disappointed you hurt my heart that you're, that you're eating ramen and that, you know, you, you don't know how to put, like, also, uh, by the way, put an ice cube in it. That'll help cool it off, too, by the way, so you can eat it. That said, or just get a thermos and put it in the thermos, and then you can have it when you get to work. You could do that as well. Instead of trying to rush to eat it before you leave, just take the pot and just pour into the thermos. Close up the thermos. Bring it with you. Solution.
2: You think I always put it in a pot to make it?
1: Next, you're going to tell me you cook eggs in the microwave.
2: No, but my friend tried to boil a hot dog in the microwave. I had to tell her that it was a bad idea. She Said, "Yeah, I think it was because it exploded." I said, "Well, yeah, you put a fork and a cup and a hot dog in a microwave."
1: You need new friends, but that's a separate poll. She's question an only of the child.
2: Day. That's that's the. That's problem.
1: no question. I was an only child until I was twelve. Stop it. Mm. It's not that. That's not an excuse. It's not an excuse. Putting hot dogs in the
2: what? Yeah, you let the other siblings try to do that and then when they fail then you're like oh well i won't do that so then you get a smart one because you won't do that
1: i never did anything like that because (laughs) well i know what the repercussions would have been for messing up mama's microwave because i grew up in a time where microwaves were not cheap not cheap
2: they're still not cheap
1: so if you had one you better not screw it up I i do have a screwing up the microwave story though So Little Caesars has crazy bread. Yeah, love it. Yes, marinara. So we had leftover pizza and crazy bread. So that's what I was having for dinner. I was by myself. I was what would I call that latchkey kid? So mom had to work, dad had to work. So I just took care of my, you know, took care of myself. I got to an yeah. age where they're just like, you can figure it out. So I decided, and this was the type of microwave that didn't have the spinning component of it. It was mm-hmm. just had a it had just a flat surface in the bottom. <laughs> so I put the crazy bread in there, just in the paper. Crazy bread. There was like three sticks of crazy bread left over. Just put it in the microwave to heat it up. And I was supposed to do it for 30 seconds. Ended up doing it for like like three minutes or something like that. It singed the bottom of the tray. It's just like little three little pillars where the crazy bread was at. <laughs> I wasn't allowed to use the microwave for like six months. I had, I had to make sandwiches.
2: I have gone in like almost to short a microwave by putting the Chick fil A bag the Whoa, because of in the there aluminum. Of them full inside yeah, I can't do that. But, uh, can't do that. No, now I've realized Mm-mm. to make, to heat up like pizza, like let for pizza, if you still wanted to be like that, like kind of pull apart and you see the cheese come apart. You put a little cup of water in the microwave with the piece of pizza, or
1: take paper towel and wet the paper towel and put it inside the yeah, bag. Yeah, that too. Yeah. yeah, that works too. Yeah, because you need yeah. the
2: moisture. Yep. Yeah. Well, there you
1: go. There you go. Ramen stuff. Ramen noodle. Do I need? Do we need to buy you a thermos? Do I need to put together a collection with the listeners to buy you a thermos to put your ramen noodles in so you can bring it to work and you just eat it while you're at work instead of having to eat dried ramen noodles.
2: I just decided to eat ramen noodles dry the other day. I didn't feel like going into—I brought a whole container and a fork, but then I didn't feel like going and, like, making it and crushing it up to do it and, like, put in the microwave. So instead, I just ate it dry. Today, I'll make sure I add my water and I make my Easy Mac. Yeah,
6: yeah, yeah.
1: What do you feel about Reynolds' idea of replacing rice to be thrown with crushed up ramen noodles? Well, I think that's an excellent idea.
2: It's an excellent idea, but I'm unsure if the venue will allow it because you can't even use fake flowers for, like, the flower girl has to be real ones because they're biodegradable, and I don't know if I want to, like, have to sweep up the ramen noodles afterwards. Oh, your your wedding's going to be
1: at a venue that's going to be a huge buzzkill, isn't it? No. I can already tell.
2: All right. Our party favors are going to be just... Uh, Like my stepmom, my dad's, and they're going to be little matches that has, like, our date on it. So, everyday use. You're the matchbox.
1: Yes. Give people things that create fire. Yeah. That's smart. Going to take a time out. Woman's wedding ruined by fire will be the headline in the middle of April. Smoky Ramen Noodle was served to firefighters afterwards. We got to take a timeout when we come back here on RP3 and Company. Astros, waste a great performance by Framer Valdez. We'll recap it for you next Here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
0: Let your voice be heard. Hello. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111 and speak your mind. Yellow. This is The Game, 1037 Lafayette and one zero four one Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
1: Lafayette Marble and Granite offers the largest selection of granite, quartz, and marble in Acadiana, and they appreciate the opportunity to earn your business. As you have heard me tell you before, LMG provides more than show-stopping marble countertops for your kitchens, bathrooms, and man caves. LMG also has an extensive selection of custom shower builds with their grout-free shower line. That's right. No muss, no fuss, and no odor. Make sure to visit Their website, LMGElite.com, to learn more about all the sensational services and great products that they have to offer. Live inventory is updated every single Wednesday. Hey, guess what? Today's Wednesday. Visit LMGElite.com or stop by their showroom, which will soon to be renovated showroom, located right there on I-49 North across from Hub City Ford. It's Lafayette, Marble & Granite. They're looking to earn your business, and trust me, earn it, they will. So many things occurred during the commercial break that we have to address. One. Michael has chimed in on the Twitters about the poll question of the day. He says, RP3, what's so wrong with barbecue sauce on a steak? People do lay imprints and Heinz 57. Or what about crawfish etouffee on steak? Love, Cajun Mike. Cajun Mike, I'm glad you chimed in. I am of the belief I love my steak cooked where I don't need any sauce. If you get a great steak seasoned with just a little salt and pepper, a little seasoning, you don't need sauce. If it's cooked right, you don't need sauce. You don't need A1. You don't need Heinz 57. You don't need barbecue sauce. If the steak is cooked the right way, and that's a big if, I know, Very few people can actually do it at home the right way, and sometimes even steakhouses struggle to do it. A little seasoning blend. I'm talking dry seasoning. And just cook the steak to perfection. That's all you need. Now, have I used sauce with my steak before? Yes, and that's usually because the steak's a little tough or the steak's not cooked right. It doesn't have the flavor profile that it should. So, I do not ruin a perfectly good steak, though, by putting sauce on it. Brett has chimed in on the poll question of the day. There should be a third option beyond simply yes or no. Like, heck no, that's freaking crazy about eating dry ramen. Lots of reaction today about our poll question of the day. But even more outrageous than the poll question of the day. And these questions about, which, is, which has brought us to talking about steak and sauces and dry ramen, is the fact that the new intern, who we've yet to unveil to you, and now I may consider not to, come to find out he's a Dallas Cowboys fan. I blame myself. I blame myself for not going through a better vetting process here. That should have been one of the top questions I should have asked. Are you a Dallas Cowboys fan, yes or no? And if he would have said yes, I said, thank you for your time. There's the door. But I blame myself. He's here now. I feel like that would be wrong to kick him out on his first day of his internship. The fact that he, you know, roots for a poorly ran franchise that's overhyped every single year. I do like Dak Prescott, though. I'm a big fan of, of Dak. I do like Dak. A lot of people don't. We'll keep you around, intern, in spite of what you said about my drinking water and the fact that you're a Dallas Cowboys fan. It reminds me of what Hannah did when she first came on board more than a year ago as an intern. When on the first day she was on the air as an intern, she looked to then-producer extraordinaire Louis Prejean and said, I'm coming for your job. I like the fact that our guy is bold enough to, to announce that he's a Dallas Cowboys fan because it hasn't been a lot to be proud of to be a Dallas Cowboys fan in the last, I don't know, 25 years. But I support it, and I appreciate the boldness. He's going to fit right in around here, isn't he? Yeah, he's going to fit right into what we do around here. <laughs> Let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on Jamie, a.k.a. Mr. Green, a.k.a. the Demon of Destiny. Good morning, sir.
6: Good morning, Mister Third. How are you this morning,
1: man? I'm just trying to wrap my brain around eating dry ramen, which you do apparently. Um, I'm not for sure. Was that something taught to you while attending Northwestern State University?
6: Look, man, when the drinking water gives you cancer, you do what you can. I'm just saying. What? Oh, you never heard about that? Okay, so story time in Natchitoches the public water system failed inspection so many times that they actually had to put out a notice every six months from the FDA or whatever it was that the drinking water was not fit for human consumption and could lead to cancer oh that's not great no no it is not that's
1: that's not great uh, that changes things a little bit
6: It's one of those things you just kind of, you know, buy the bottled water and go. No, um, the dried ramen isn't bad. If you, like, break it up, use it as panko breadcrumbs instead of, like, regular breadcrumbs. It's delightful. Um, I've used it in uh, several different dishes over the years. Uh, and, you know, if you're needing a quick fix, it, it works. And who puts barbecue on a steak
8: who puts anything
6: on a steak if the steak's cooked right it doesn't need anything if it's not cooked right you're eating the wrong steak
1: there it is thank you jamie appreciate your phone John. call have a John tremendous day. day i'm hoping that jamie doesn't traumatize any children today while teaching them
2: now see the thing is though is that if a steak is cooked correctly as you said yes then it doesn't need a sauce
1: that's the correct
2: but I do like the taste of A1 sauce. So I sometimes will get A1 sauce just so I have the taste of A1 sauce with my steak. Kind so of like the taste of it on my steak. If it was cooked right, it shouldn't need any sauce. But like as he was saying, a etouffee. Etouffee on some steak. That's going to enhance the steak.
1: But that's not a sauce. That's a, a, an entire that a dish that you're meshing together. That's a separate thing. I'm talking about sauce. If you cook the steak right, rule of thumb. If you're having the big fella over, the big, bald, and beautiful one, and you decide, hey, let's make steaks, and I go for the sauce, that tells you everything you need to know about your steak.
2: My eyes are always really good. Garlic powder, onion powder, and cayenne pepper.
1: Just time. saying. Let's take a moment briefly to talk about the Houston Astros, who have decided not to score runs anymore for some odd reason. Losing 4-3 to three last night. Wasting an absolute great performance by Framer Valdez. Framer was extended his record of yet another quality start. He pitched extremely well, but he gets tagged with the loss. He drops to 14 and five on the season. He went six and two thirds, gave up four runs on six hits, but here's the thing. Only two of them were earned because the Astros decided to be the Bad News Bears behind him defensively last night. He, str- he gave up two runs and struck out 11 and got the loss because the defense was pubble behind him last night. Not a good performance by the Astros defensively through 107 pitches. Just woof. And he stood in the game, and despite the Rangers going up with a two-run double by Duran, and then Huff brings in another run, but Gurriel brings in a run on a ground out. Altuve hits a home run. The the legend of Altuve continues. McCormick scores a run on a fielder's choice to tie the game, but then, boom, wild pitch scores the go-ahead run there in the seventh inning as the Rangers take down the Strohs, 4-3. to three. Valdez gets tagged with the loss. And look, that the Astros, Pena had a good night, two hits. Tucker had two hits. But where was everyone else? Altuve had the one home run, which was great, but that was his only hit. Alvarez still dealing with the wrist injuries. You can tell he's not the same. He's a shell of himself. One for five, struck out twice. Bregman was one for three, did draw a walk, but he also struck out. So not their best effort by any stretch of the imagination. And now the Houston Astros find themselves split 1-1 with the Texas Rangers, who have already been eliminated from postseason contention. By the way, the first three teams eliminated from postseason contention in the American League, all are from the AL West. (laughs) Rangers, Angels, Athletics. Not the Mariners, though. Mariners are just right there. They're going to be dangerous in the postseason. I would not want to face them if I was any of the teams left in there, especially the Astros, because Mariners play well against them. The third game of the series will be tonight. Seven ten is first pitch. Astro launch will begin at 6-40 with Robert Ford and Steve Sparks on the call. And, of course, you can listen to the game live right here on The Game, your home for the Houston Astros we got to take a timeout when we return. Ron Higgins, the Mad Dog from Tiger Details, will join us talking all things LSU. That's next right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
0: What a great Tiger. Half the week is in the books, which means it's time to talk Bayou Bengals with Tiger Details columnist, the Mad Dog himself, Ron Higgins. Here is Hold That Tiger on RP3 and Company.
1: Mad Dog, good morning, brother. Look, man, you're on time. I appreciate you. You don't have to put anything into the being late jar either.
9: I, you know, I probably would have just handed him a twenty dollar bill and say, "Run me a tab."
6: <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh,
9: you know, it, it was surprising. Brian Kelly It was early because uh, for years, uh, I mean, I mean, it always was a bit late. Less Miles shut up when he felt like it, so it was pleasantly surprising when Brian Kelly was like seven minutes early start. It was really nice. Uh, uh, you know, I and mean, everybody made it except one person. And, uh, she later said she had a, a doctor's appointment that ran late, but, uh, you know, I, I think it's, uh, you know, whatever her excuse was, I think it's, I think Brian's Kelly was, uh, Kelly's comment was a lesson that you always be, where you're supposed to be early, you know, not not right on time. Be 20 25 minutes early.
1: I remember Mad Dog growing up in the rule in my household, and this was my parents' rule. So I tried, you know, as a teenager, you have your car, and you're like, okay, and they're like, well, you can stay out till midnight. I'm like, perfect. So I'd pull into the driveway. I'd say like eleven fifty seven. Lock up my car. Walk into the house at like eleven fifty nine. So then like the next morning, my mom's like, oh, are you planning on going out tonight? I'll be like, yeah. And they're like, well, that's great. Now your curfew's 11. I'll be like, why is it 11? Because you got home late. I go, no, I did. I stepped into the house at 11.59. That's before midnight. They're like, yeah, uh, that means you need to be at least five minutes early. So if it's midnight, you need to be in the house by 11.55. <laughs> and that was the, that was the rule. And I can't tell you how many times my curfew got bumped up. Because I couldn't, uh, I, I tried to exploit and try to get, get every minute possible out of the house.
9: Well, you know, you were you were testing the limits, and uh, they dropped the, the time hammer on you. So you know, I mean, it's a, uh, it's also, uh, you know, like I said, that 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 was that happened her. That's understandable, but it's a, it's a basic rule of journalism. Be where you're supposed to be early in case something all hell breaks loose.
1: Exactly. So speaking of all hell breaking loose, let's go back to Sunday night. Everything that could possibly go wrong for this team did so. Offensive line was a dumpster fire, specifically the right side of the line. They couldn't run the football. Jane Daniels was running for his life. Kayshawn Boutte did not play a good game. The middle of the defense was soft because Florida State kept attacking it in between the hash marks, and special teams was atrocious. Yet they still nearly came back and forced overtime and nearly won the game. What do you make? What's your summary of what you saw Sunday night inside the Dome?
9: I saw a team with a new quarterback, a new offensive line, uh, a secondary with five or six cornerbacks for transfers, Play its first live game with a live crowd in live crowd noise and a, and a live opponent who already played one game, and uh, it took them three quarters to adjust, almost three quarters to adjust. Uh, I wasn't, I, I, I was shocked. Some of the basic fundamentals went wrong, like the, uh, the, the kicking game. Uh, you know you. And, I mean, they chose the wrong guy. Like I'm not putting all the blame on my league neighbors, but I think Brian Kelly said it best. You know, he goes, I'm, I'm the one who chose him. And I'm the one who sent him back out there. It's on me. Uh, I think you'll see Sage Ryan probably this week uh, and like another freshman also out there who had the return points in high school. Uh, the, 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 the protection on the, on the field goal and extra points, Uh, I guarantee you, though, they worked their butt off this week on that. They made a a block switch on that after the first block and still didn't work. Uh, So uh, they need to correct that. Some of the basic fundamentals of that, you may see some offensive line personnel changes this week. Uh, Some people on the right side of the offensive line were horrible, Uh, and they need to be sat down after one game because some of them have been there a while. Uh, and they need to, you know, not play. You know, I, I would almost start uh, looking at the freshman. I think it was Emory Jones is his name. I think it's Emory. Uh, uh, looking at him to play more. Uh, you know, you you adjust after your first game. I thought Jaden Daniels uh, early in the game and five his slow. But actually, probably for three, you know, two and a half quarters, didn't have much faith in his offensive line to pass protect and there were times he probably took off early when some guys were open, uh, uh, Kayshaun Boutte's body language is awful the entire game. Uh, and, uh, he didn't handle I, I told somebody afterwards, i said, uh, you know, he, he didn't handle not being, he was targeted six times. It wasn't like he wasn't throwing the ball, but, uh, there he's going to have games like that where he's not going to, maybe he's not going to get the ball for a long time or I mean the long stretches, and perhaps he should call Jordan. I um, mean, you know, he should call uh, Justin Jefferson and uh, uh Burley and and you know, uh you know Jamar Chase about the 2019 season where there were games where each of those guys were not thrown to because. They were double covered and they went to the other receiver. Jefferson would have big games. Chase would have average games. Chase would have great games. Jefferson would have I mean not great games. It's part of being uh number one receiver is that you're gonna get have games like that where, you know, you're not gonna get thrown to or have a have a problem, uh, you know, just stay mentally in it because you're not being thrown to. it's, it's frustrating, but the fact is that's what part of being the number one receiver is, and I think uh and his body language indicated he is basically basically pouting uh and he needs to snap out of that you know and and
1: uh Ron let me ask you this because we've had this happen over the last couple of years guys opt out and I'm not saying he's going to do this I don't think he'll do this okay but Kayshawn has played with what six different quarterbacks and he's he's played at LSU during two of the worst seasons in recent memory, and this season hasn't started off very well because they're in a rebuild. Any possibility that the young man who decided to stay at LSU because of the Gordon McKernan deal and Brian Kelly convinced him to stay instead of going to, say, Alabama, and the guy that was also challenged by Brian Kelly during the summer, any possibility if things go sideways that we could see him opt out like Terrence Marshall Jr. did before and Jamar Chase did before?
9: Um. Yeah, I'd say that could happen, but um, you know, uh, you know, and partly says the NFL would say, "Well, there's a guy who, basically, when the uh, when things got tough, the tough left town."
1: Yeah, but they don't care.
9: And and secondly, that's what I was about to finish.
1: Yeah.
9: Secondly. They say that for uh, one's about a millisecond, and then the others, and then the second line they say, "Well, good. That means he will, he'll he'll have, have less wear and tear on his legs. He'll be healthy. We're good. It's all good. We understand. You know, we have ego egos like that in our league all the time. So you know, he'll fit right in. Uh, uh, you know, if he if he wants to leave, then uh, good luck to you. Move on. You know, we've got a bunch of other good receivers." And they do have a bunch of other good receivers.
1: Uh, Jenkins being one of them, he was a bright spot, and we know we talked about. You know, and neighbors, to, to his credit, stayed in the game, made some catches, especially on that last drive. He
9: always is. Now, he's, always, you know, he's probably the most underrated receivers in LSU history in the last ten or fifteen years. All he does is catch passes. You know, you know, he's, you know, you know, you know not in the spotlight, not on Twitter, doesn't really get, get this, this gotten cat just, just goes out, go out and catch passes, you know, clutch passes. I mean, this, this is the way he is. I have, a lot of, I have a lot of respect for him because everybody talks about every other receiver and since he's been there and all he does is just go out and catch balls, which he did the other night. And, uh, I really like, I really like the kid. I, I respect the fact that there's nothing flashy about him except doing his damn job. You know, that that's, that's a good deal. I mean, look, look, this team struggled a lot of areas the first game, uh, you know, and, and still won the game, you know, uh, the, the only, the only real problem I had was uh, it, it took them, you know, two and a half quarters to figure out, let's put them in a Jay Daniels and up-tempo offense. I mean, obviously that was the, the magic key. It got him, got him into a rhythm uh, apparently, it helped him read defenses quicker, and got the ball out quicker to open receivers, and uh, and basically, it, it forced teams to start playing, you know, five, six defensive backs, and 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 then spread, I mean spread the field out, and that's when he went crazy running the ball. I mean, there's no doubt he's a hell of a running threat, and and you know, uh, a passer, he gets the ball to the receivers when they're open. Uh, I think early, I think for three fourths of the game and, and it's human nature, I mean, I mean, you or i be the same way. If I don't feel like my offensive line is just blocking and I know that I can get 10 to 15 yards on my own because I'm so fast, I'm going to bail out. Now, I may mean, not all be the right decision. You can bail out and get 10 or 15 when there was a, maybe a receiver open, but you just didn't keep feel comfortable with your offensive line. Uh, you know, those mistakes made, maybe so. But, uh, again, a first game, uh, made a ton of mistakes and still had a chance to win at the end. Uh, would I have gone for two at the end? Uh, yeah. Um, with my offense that hot at that point, uh, I would have just well, – I mean, they, they, they scored a touchdown to pull, pull within a point after about a 10-minute delay. <laughs> I mean
6: I know least... it was
1: it was crazy. Let me ask you this because we're running out of time. Does the performance you saw from start to finish Sunday night that we saw there in the in the superdome, does that change your perception on what this team is going to be this season because we know it was going to be a rebuild. Does this change how you think this team is going to fare record wise this year?
9: I still think around eight and four, you know think, you know they're gonna have to win a game somewhere along the way they're not supposed to win. Uh, but I mean, I thought, I thought Daniels played, played f- fine for a first game. Uh, they just, they made too many mistakes and little things, you know?
1: Yeah. He uh, wasn't the problem, Mad dog. He wasn't, I mean, he wasn't the reason why they lost the game.
9: Look, look, they fumbled two punts and, and the defense still held him out. I mean, defense, could, the defense was clutch at times. And then defense could get them off the field on third down, uh, didn't tackle well, uh, and that's it, a problem. I think it's also a problem a coach has real quick. And when and, and it, it's it's a dilemma for head coaches in preseason because you can only have so much contact. You want to protect your team from getting hurt in, in preseason. yet yeah, but you need, you need to tackle people. And that's a fine balance. And sometimes a lot of times in first games, you miss tackles and look sloppy because you haven't had enough contact. But again, that's a fine balance coaches have to deal with in preseason practice. Do I, do I hit more than I usually hit or – do I not and preserve my and not injury? So, you know, the, they went with the, you know, not hitting as much as they probably want to and and, and really paid the price for sloppy tackling. So it's game two, it's southern. Uh you know, you know, I mean, you know, I think from what I saw, there's no point spread on the game, but the Southern band is a three and a half song favorite out LSU, but I think LSU's band will hold up nicely. <laughs>
1: Mad Dog, appreciate your time, brother. Thank you so much. Enjoy your day. I'll talk to you next week. <laughs> okay. We got to take a timeout. Once again, LSU will take on Southern. You can listen to that game live on Saturday, 6 o'clock, right here on the game. Pre-game will begin at 4. Saturday's a big day. It's also my daughter's birthday. She turns eight years old. Parte. At the Sky Zone. They'll be jumping on trampolines and eating pizza and birthday cake and the whole nine yards. Only a few days away. Today's Wednesday. So that means Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We're three days away. Three days away from baby girl birthday. Will I survive it? That's another discussion. we got to take a timeout. Wrap up hour number two here on RP3 and Company. You're listening to the game Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. <music> poll question of the day. Do you eat your ramen noodles dry like Hannah Five names? That's what we asked you. It's our foodie poll question of the week. Do you eat ramen noodles dry like Five Names? 95% of you say no. Only 5% say yes. Darren says, dry? Why? Why? try this noodles Doritos the red bag and a can of Hormel chili all mixed together it will change y'all's life when you work over the road and have to grab quick meals keep moving make the wildest things up on the fly I agree with that you will come up with some wild ideas and make adjustments especially if you're on the road shout out to D for that Ralph has chimed in I will not eat my noodles dry that's pretty gross I cannot lie I will not eat them on a train I will not eat them at the game. Dry ramen noodles are pretty lame unless you're the famous five names. Also, oh, he says eating them dry is paw bomb, but unless you're you. See, the people love you. The people love the Hannah Five names. Keep the votes coming on the poll question of the day, which is our foodie poll question of the week. Do you eat ramen noodles dry like five names? Hour number two in the books. Hour number three, we'll kick it off with Jim Klein, Peter of The Advocate. He covers the Southern Jaguars. That'll be next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
6: Oh, yeah. Oh,
0: yeah. Everything, everything. Everything going to be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parks III, better known as RP3.
1: Hour number three has arrived here on RP3 and company on this Wednesday edition of our show. Coming up in a half hour from right now, Andrew Juge from the Saints Happy Hour podcast will join us for the Big Easy Blitz as we gear up for the Saints season opener on Sunday at Atlanta. Don't forget to vote on our poll question of the day. It's our foodie poll question of the week. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. But right now, it's time for us to talk a little Southern Jaguars football. A ridiculous score in their opener. (laughs) It's just all types of records broken there but there'll be history made yet again come Saturday as they play the LSU Tigers in football for the first time, which is crazy to think to break down the matchup and everything that's going along with this game being played, all the uh, meetings, the bands, and everything else, and the state of the Jaguars program is the man who covers them for the Baton Rouge Advocate. Jim Klein, Peter, joins us now. Jim, it's been too long, my friend. How are you, brother?
8: I am doing very well. I'm looking forward to this thing. Uh, it's exciting. Um, Baton Rouge is
6: buzzing.
1: Well, let, let's start there because, look, you've covered sports in this state for quite a long time. Okay, You're a well-respected veteran journalist. Why did this take so long to happen? Because it's not as if LSU wasn't playing other teams from the FCS level, they've played McNeese, they've played Northwestern State, I mean, Southeastern, uh, you go down the list. Why did this never happen until now?
8: Coaches never want to play teams that have a um, uh, uh, some kind of edge, uh, in, in any kind of an emotional edge. And that's why it never happened before 2000. Uh, when Skip Bertman became the athletic director, you know, he 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 did it in baseball. He went out and played other other schools and they were LSU was already doing that in baseball. But what he would do is he would spread the gospel of baseball by taking the LSU show on the road. Well he thought he could do it in football too and it was good for the state because it kept money in the state instead of teams like McNeese, Nichols, you know, whatever, traveling outside of the state, spending money, they spent it here. And that's good logic, and um, it just never occurred. I mean, there was there was such uh, and and the reason it's that was in the early two thousands, and Southern and, and Grambling have always been on the you know on the outer edge of state schools. You know, nobody ever could comprehend them playing against LSU, and it, it should have happened in inside of the last twenty years sooner. It, it definitely should have happened because they were playing they were playing teams that had. Much less uh, 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 programmed than than Southern. Southern was, is a traditionally traditionally a good school in its in its own um, in its own idiom. So uh, yeah, I mean this is, that's what makes this so great. They started talking about it to. to I'd say about five – I remember Verge Osbury coming to me and saying, what would you think about LSU playing Southern and Grambling in back-to-back years? And I said, I think it would go over great. I think you should do it as quickly as you can. And it took a little longer, but uh, it just I think the Southern people are, are just happy it's here.
1: The crowd should be fairly electric. I know there's all types of events being planned, right, Jim? I know the bands are going to get together to do something special during halftime, but there's all other types of events. When's the last time you saw the city like this kind of, kind of, I don't know, it feels like it's coming together. I know that's a cliche and it sounds corny, but it sure does feel like everyone's kind of coming together to put the spotlight on BR in the best way possible.
8: Yeah, well, there's never been a game that did that. But there was a time uh, in 2003 when LSU, uh, won its second national championship, but it was the first in, in what, 50, 50 years. Um, they, uh, Southern also won a black national championship and they had a, uh, a day of champions, uh, where they had parades, the bands and the fans all went downtown and they got together. And I, and I like what Eric Dooley said, because he was a coach at Southern at the time as an assistant coach. He said, uh, you know, you had your blue and gold and your purple and gold, but you couldn't tell them apart because they were all, you know, jumbled up together. So that's probably the closest thing. And um, this is, this is like 10 times better than that, because uh, I, I think they're, you know, the toughest ticket in town, uh, it's the toughest ticket on either team's schedule. It's bigger than the Bayou Classic for Southern, and it's bigger than the LSU Alabama game. Uh, the, the the tickets are in demand. Uh, and uh, I think all the, uh Tailgating spots have been taken. Uh, you know, people are going to be showing up. Uh, I think you're supposed to not show up to tailgate until after five on Friday, but I think that rule is going to be <laughs> violated. So
1: it's also a great moment, a, a great game for Southern, and and because of financially, right? Because they're going to get what is it, like seven hundred and fifty, seven hundred and sixty thousand dollars to play this game and just simply get on a bus and go a few miles down the road. That's huge for a program out of the SWAC because they can utilize that money probably far more than most programs can.
8: Absolutely, and I think it's going to push upwards of 800000 when it's in value. In cash, seven sixty, but in value. They also got 800 comp tickets. Which um, that's a pretty sweet deal too, uh, because because they got so they knew they were going to need a lot of dignitaries uh, provide a lot of dignitaries with some tickets, but uh, yeah, and uh, I I think that's the going rate. Uh, you know LSU pays usually a million dollars to have a team come in. Um, it's it, that's pretty much the going rate, and and because Southern doesn't, you know it's like a whole, it's going to be. It can be like a home game for Southern. They're still going to get a hotel because they do that before their home games. But there's no travel involved. They, You know, they, it's a bus ride across town. Uh, and and it's, this is really sweet for Southern considering uh, how badly they got hurt in the COVID year. You know, they only had one home game, uh, and they played five total. So they went almost a whole year with, with practically no revenue. And uh, this is kind of, a you know, maybe a little bit of karma for them.
1: We're talking with Jim Klein. Peter, he covers the Southern Jaguars for the Baton Rouge Advocate. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. All right, Jim, let's talk about this team, and let's more importantly talk about the man in charge. You know, Dawson Odom's had a great uh, run of success there, couple of conference championships, did a very nice job, but then he went oh, he went off to greener pastures. They had kind of a stopgap guy there during the COVID year. It didn't work out. What do you make of the man in charge of the program now?
8: Well, the, the difference with uh, Eric Dooley is that he's a consensus, uh, a consensus choice. I think he, you know, to to ruin, to continue to pound a cliche, <laughs> he checks all the boxes, and like no other coach since Otis Washington. Um, you know everybody is in favor of Southern bringing this guy in they never really embraced Austin Odoms he was like a he was an interim in the beginning but he because but he was so successful as an interim that they gave him the job full-time and he did a very good job with it he won the SWAC title that was Southern's last SWAC title though and Eric Dooley was here The, the best thing he had going for him was 13 years as an assistant under Pete Richardson and you know, you know, the icon coach is the one. You know, if only we could bring back Pete. Well, Eric Dooley's the next best thing because he's just uh, he he learned he learned how to be a coach under Pete. He was He was a high school coach for maybe a few a handful of years at McMain in New Orleans, and then uh, they offered him a, 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 a part time job as a running backs coach. And he 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 um he commuted from New Orleans every day, and Pete. That won Pete over, and Pete hired him as the uh, as the wide receivers coach, and that began the association, and he's had a nice rise. You know, as offensive coordinator at, at uh, Pine Bluff and then at Grambling, head coach at Prairie View, won a, you know, won the division title last year and just completely smoked Southern last year at homecoming. And it was as if, you know, it couldn't have been a more timely victory for him To get this job, and so uh, this is a guy that they love, and he brings exciting offense. And uh, I mean, they piled up enough touchdowns to, you know, three games worth of touchdowns last week. (laughs) And and of course, the uh, opponent had something to do with that.
1: Well, let's 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 transition to that because they opened up the season beating Florida Memorial University 86 to nothing. I'll say it again, 86 to nothing. Now, obviously the level of competition is not great, but as someone who has covered this team, I know the competition wasn't great, Jim, but what was your big takeaway? What, what did you, what stood out to you more than anything beyond the lopsided score where they put up 42 points in the first quarter?
8: Well, it's hard to score that way against air. And I'm, I'm, I'm not kidding. I mean, (laughs) they were very sharp and that's, that's why, you know, they didn't muddle around at all, you know, and, and he, they attacked from the beginning and they scored on every, the 42 points in the first quarter, they scored on every possession of uh, five possessions. They got a defensive touchdown. They ended the day with two defensive touchdowns and a safety defense played well. They got a shutout. Florida uh, Memorial didn't get closer to, than the uh, Southern 43 yard line. So, um, you know, you can beat a bad team or a, or a bad program, uh, and and you know mess up and and, and look bad doing it. But uh, other than you know the sixteen penalties uh, were fairly easy to overcome. And this is a program they beat that uh, has only been um, reestablished uh, for three years. This is just their third year back after going sixty-two years without playing. So yeah, uh, you know, there's a little bit on both sides of that. Uh, they, but it's hard to it's hard to be that sharp. Uh, a lot of teams just muddle around, and, and everybody he played played well, and they emptied the bench, and that that's the key for Southern because they run this pace offense. You have got to be three deep with that type of offense because you're going to be running players in and out the entire game.
1: Well, that, that's what I was going to ask you. Tell us a little bit about the offensive identity. What's the scheme, and what do they like to do offensively?
8: Well, they like to play fast, and, and it's and it's like any other hurry-up offense. You saw Auburn did it. They, they have RPO plays, you know, plays that, that, uh, that the quarterback decides whether or not it's going to be a run or a pass. If he sees, you know, he starts to run, and it looks like he's going to run, and then um, he, he may throw a pass when the defense comes up on him, and it's his decision. And they got a good quarterback for that. He's got good feet. He's speedy. He's not big. He's not your classic college quarterback. He's only 5'10". But Bashan McCray uh, did a good job of, of running that offense, um, and he's probably a better runner than he is a passer, but he's, but he's plenty good enough passer, and he's got a host of good receivers to use, and they're going to use lots of them. They're going to run them in and out. I think uh, – 14 different players caught passes in the game. And it's really, I mean, they run the same plays every other team runs, but they just, they run up to the line of scrimmage and they make the defense. It causes the defense. It catches the defense sometimes without being able to, um, to uh, uh, substitute. And uh, sometimes you catch them out of position. And all you have to do is is if you can catch a defender out of position, you hit the right player and it's a touchdown. So uh, that's, that's what the teams have to guard against. And, you know, I know they don't like playing this. Uh, a lot of schools don't like playing against this type of offense.
1: Defensively, what what are they going to bring out? What can folks uh, be expecting to see Saturday night when a lot of people are going to catch him for the first time inside Tiger Stadium?
8: Well, they do have a couple of true stars. They got a guy named Jordan Lewis who's a defensive end. Thirty-four. He had 34 career sacks coming into the season. He got one uh, the other night, a sack of script. And then he actually stripped the ball away from one of his teammates and took it into the end zone. Uh, one of his teammates recovered the fumble, and he kind of took it away. His teammate kind of gave it to him because he was going down. So, um, But he's a true star. He, he's a guy that probably could – he, I don't know if he would start at LSU, but he could play because he's fast, he's quick, he's got pass rush instincts, and he, they moved him to linebacker. So he's going to be uh, – their, their front seven is very strong. They've got a good front line, um, the strength of the team. Uh, they got an all-swack defensive tackle, um, Jason Dumas, who played at St. James um, and uh, went on to be all-swack at Prairie View and uh, he came to Southern for his senior year so his parents could be closer to see him play. Uh, And he's a a very good player. He's undersized, but he's quick. And he's the kind of guy you've got to keep him from disrupting things in the backfield. But they've got a a good front seven, and then uh, I think their big question mark is in the secondary. They they went out and they brought in nine defensive backs um, through the transfer portal and – Uh, other you know other uh, in their normal recruiting so uh, uh, they had a lot of trouble back there last year Uh, he practically has overhauled that secondary Uh, they they didn't tackle well and and gave up a lot of uh, touchdowns late in games uh, mainly because they didn't have depth but the the southern team is 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 a lot more has a lot more depth especially on defense
1: jim appreciate you tom as always Brother, keep up the tremendous work covering the Southern Jaguars there for the Baton Rouge Advocate. And we'll talk to you soon, my friend.
8: Thank you, Raymond.
1: Hey, just a reminder that us here at the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We want to crown you the king of tailgating. That's right. Football season's here, and the game. Wants to crown you the tailgating king with the ultimate tailgate giveaway powered by St. Landry Lumber, Austin Outdoors, and the game. You can score $500 to Chops Specialty Meats, a brand-new grill with accessories, a cooler, a set of chairs, a $500 Visa gift card, tickets to LSU and Louisiana Raging Cajun football games, and so much more. Enter in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's the ultimate tailgate giveaway, powered by St. Landry Lumber, Austin Outdoors, and the game. we got to take a timeout here on RP3 and Company. When we return, it'll be time for the foodie poll question of the week roundtable discussion with yours truly, Steve Wiley, the producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah, five names, and our new intern extraordinaire. We'll introduce you to him. That'll be next right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers in Houston Astros.
0: We love talking about sports. Yeah. You love listening to sports. Yep. Sounds like we were meant to be together. Or at least friends with benefits. Aren't you glad you found us? Yep. Mm, yep. Mm-hmm. Back to more of the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the National Football League, is giving new customers a can't-miss offer to celebrate the start of a new football season. Bet just $5 on Thursday's game, and you're going to get $200 in free bets instantly. And as an added bonus for Thursday night's game, everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings' early win promotion. It's simple. Bet on Buffalo or Los Angeles to win. If your team leads by seven points at any time during the game, you get paid instantly. Even if your team loses, well, that's a good deal. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code 1037GAME to get $200 in free bets instantly. When you place a $5 bet on Thursday Night Football, that's code 1037GAME. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 years of age to play. Physically present in Louisiana. Select parishes only. Bonus is issued as a free bet. One early win token issued at opt-in. Moneyline bets only. Deposit and wagering restrictions do apply. Eligibility and terms at DraftKings.com slash football terms. Licensee partner, Golden Nugget, Lake Charles. And if you have a gambling problem or know someone who does, call 1-877-770-STOP. Welcome back to RP3 and Company. Every Wednesday, we have our poll question of the day, which is our foodie poll question of the week. This was inspired, of course, by what Hannah Five Names unveiled, revealed, if you will, yesterday about... What she does with ramen noodles. But before we get to that roundtable discussion that involves yours truly, Steve Wiley, fresh from vacation, the producer extraordinaire, Hannah, five names, it's time for us to welcome on to RP 3 and company, our new intern extraordinaire. He's already been coming up with takes today. He's a Texas native. He is attending Louisiana State University at Alexandria, home of the generals studying broadcasting. He's our new intern, Moses Campos, joins us now. Moses, good morning, and welcome to the team, brother. How
4: are you? I am doing great. How are you?
1: First day here as an intern, are you ready to run for the doors and never come back? Because that's happened from time to time.
4: Um, not yet. I wouldn't say that. (laughs)
1: You hear him, Steve? He said, not yet. Not yet is the correct uh, answer. All right, bud, so... You're studying broadcasting. You're a diehard Houston Astros fan. Tell us a little bit about about the teams that you root for, where you're from, and why you want to be in broadcasting.
4: Well, uh, the teams I root for are obviously the Houston Astros, and I do have to say I am a Dallas Cowboys fan. <laughs> I had to say it had to come out at some point. I know, I know. Even though the Cowboys this year are going to be horrendous, I just the way I was raised and – like I, I I well, actually I wanted to be a lawyer. I wanted to go to UT. I wanted to play football. Well, football dream stopped when I stopped growing. <laughs> and uh so then I, I figured football was gonna be my life and I got into sports broadcasting. I started like doing stats and doing all this and that. And L S U A had a sports broadcasting communications degree, so I just felt like that was the right place for me. And
1: now you're here, brother. Now you're here. You reached out to us. We hooked you up. Now you're going to be getting your internship. You're going to be joining us a couple days every week here on RP3 and Company. So welcome aboard. Thank you for being here. And we're going to start off the roundtable discussion with you. As you know, our poll question of the day is, do you eat ramen noodles dry, out of the bag, dry, dry? Like Hannah Five Names admits that she sometimes does when she's rushed for time. She'll crunch it up, season it up, and eat it like a cheese it or eat it like a potato chip. What do you make of this revelation from the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names?
4: You know, I actually went on the poll and voted no. <laughs> Just to make sure my vote was in there because I don't understand. One of my friends, she used to do that all the time, but she wouldn't crush it up. She would just put the seasoning on top and eat it like it was a bar. Oh, like a uh, candy bar. (sighs) bar. She would either break it in half or just eat the whole thing. I just could not understand why people do that.
1: (laughs) So you you come out strong with the no, and you even know someone that's done this, and uh, he still made sure that his vote was heard. Uh, Moses, thank you for that. All right, Mr. Wiley. You've been grunting oh, and groaning, man. and some of that has to do with the fact that Moses is a Dallas Cowboys fan. The other has to do with the fact of eating ramen noodles dry. The microphone, the floor is yours, my friend.
10: Well, first off, Moses, we need to talk. We'll uh, revisit that later. Hannah, five names, my dear. I do not understand this at all. Just chomping down on dry ramen noodles? Really?
2: Yeah, it's really good. And i don't like, I guess, as his friend did, I don't have it as a whole bar. I do crunch it up to where it's at least like maybe the size of like a quarter size of little chunks. But yeah, a little bit of seasoning on it. It's like your own seasoned Cheez-Its.
10: I'm sorry, but (laughs) yeah, I don't know what else to say. I don't like any dry food. I mean, it's like, for instance, like traditional cornbread, for instance, is too dry for me. When I make it, you know, I use, of course, the popular Jiffy mix, and I make it according to the instructions, but with one extra thing, I add a can of cream-style corn to it.
1: But you, mm. I, I've, I've, I've had that before as well. So so you don't like anything dry, so does that mean you don't like, like, boys because of the French bread?
10: Well, that's different. You you know, you put, like, like mayo and stuff. Okay, and you, all right. And, gonna, and, and it's like, I'll, I'll tell you what, there's a restaurant in New Orleans called Mother's.
1: Oh, I, I'm I'm well aware of Mother's. Oh yeah, They're, I've I've had a few experiences. at Their mother's.
10: shrimp po' boy is exquisite, yes. and they use coleslaw instead of lettuce, which adds, of course, to the moisture of it. And it, you know, best po' boy, best shrimp po' boy. That and old time are the two best shrimp po' boys I've ever had.
1: Best roast beef po' boy I ever had was at Mother's. I believe you. Yes, yeah, yeah. I I had such an experience that every time we go out to eat, my wife and I. We'll go to a place we've never been. We both order something different so we can try it. Yeah. So that's what we typically do. So we were there with a friend. I was there for the Louisiana Press Association convention. And we went down to eat at Mother's and never been. And I ordered the roast beef. She ordered the shrimp. And I, when I say this, I I ate it just woofed it down. And she just she just was staring at me. I didn't <laughs> even know she was there. I had no idea that she was even there. I was so involved with the sandwich. Uh, See, potato chips? Ooh.
2: No, the coleslaw, though, it ruins the entire poor boy for me. Oh, I take, no, I can't it's wonderful. I can't coleslaw. Oh. That's nasty.
10: You and I need to talk, too. <laughs>
2: <laughs> You've known a lot of talking here.
10: I'm feeling kind of fatherly towards you right now. <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: Steve is a big no against eating ramen noodles dry. Oh, God. Our new intern extraordinaire, Moses Campos, says no. I I have no just no 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 and I know people that uh, that do it you do it Uh, my buddy Jared Lopez does it shout out to him listener of the show my mother-in-law does it I know people that do it I just don't understand it it just no just you know and like I told you before just cook it it takes literally two minutes to boil on the stove add the seasoning put it in a thermos and you can have it at work if you're running late you can spare an extra two minutes okay just comb your hair when you get here at the studio It's not an issue. I did before. (laughs) But go ahead and that's three no's. You're the yes. Defend yourself.
2: Okay. One, it's a very quick snack. It's also a snack. Yes, I did eat it for breakfast the other day because I was feeling kind of frisky. So I was like, I'm going to have it as a snack instead of actually cooking it. Because I did bring a fork and a bowl to the studio to make the ramen noodles. And then I didn't do that. I decided just to crunch them up and eat them. Secondly, have you actually tried it before, Ray? Are you just saying no to say no? Yes,
1: I've tried it because when I, the first time I saw it, I was like, well, what is that? And then I tried it, and I felt like I was about to break my teeth off trying to bite into a ramen noodle package with hard noodle. Like, no. And I was like, no, this is no good. This, this is no good. I don't, I don't want this. So, no, it was not for me.
10: Well, it is crazy then. Yeah, and it... In- ah. <laughs> In response to have you tried it? Have you tried eating sand?
2: I have.
1: Well, I have when you're at the beach and you have a picnic. So there's always sand on your sandwich. Yeah,
2: but. but I'm definitely again. I've only ever been to mothers. If I have, I probably don't have the recollection of going. But now when I go. Over to my grandmother's house, I'll do so. But, yeah, no coleslaw for me on a po' boy. Oh, no.
1: but we have to make a road trip now yeah. for her to have mothers.
2: We have so many road trips and things we have we need to plan, and we have yet to plan them. We have, like, movie night for me to have to watch all of the vacations.
1: That's right, because you've never seen any one of the National Lampoon vacation movies.
2: No, I had to see all of that. We had to show James, like, every movie in the world. Cause because he doesn't, watch, he doesn't watch anything. We have to have a, a lot of nights. It's going to be fine. We're going to get through it and how plan things. We have yet to plan.
1: (laughs) So, three no's and a yes on the poll question of the day. Keep those votes coming in. Big shout out to our new intern extraordinaire, Moses Campos. Dallas
10: Cowboys, come on.
1: (laughs) Steve Wiley, he's disgruntled about multiple things. You were on vacation. You should be in a better mood.
10: I'm in a great mood. (laughs) The intern extraordinaire
1: and the producer extraordinaire. Miss Hannah, five names. We got to take a timeout when we come back. Big Easy Blitz with Andrew Juge. That's next here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
0: Who is ready for Saints talk? Begin the Camaro. Breaks through, spins at the two, into the end zone. Touchdown! Time to talk Saints with the Big Easy Blitz here on RP3 and Company.
1: Andrew Juge, the man behind the Saints Happy Hour podcast. A man who is fancy. And when I mean fancy, I'm talking vacationing in the Catskills type of fancy. Going to the Greenbrier and having brunch. Eggs Benedict possibly on the menu. And a man who sips tea with his pinky out, yet still finds time to put together one of the best Saints podcasts out there. Andrew, good morning. How are you?
3: Well, with an introduction like that, I was doing great. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, now you, you got me feeling a little embarrassed. So I, I don't know how I feel, Raymond.
1: <laughs> uh, you got to feel pretty good because we've gone, what, like four or five days without some sort of incident involving the New Orleans Saints, <laughs> right? So it, it's got to be a good thing.
3: <laughs> no, that's a great point. Uh, look, I, I, I'm braced for whatever news hits next and, and certainly uh, – it's never a dull moment with the Saints and uh, the Marcus May news that hit most recently is, is a keen reminder of that. But uh, look at, at any day now leading up to the Falcons game where someone isn't arrested, uh, someone doesn't do something weird or a suspension isn't looming or some kind of crazy news hits. Uh, I, I'm thankful for that.
1: Let's talk about this team heading into their opener, because for the past, I don't know, eight months. The national narrative, Andrew, was the Saints are going to be pa-bon. They're going to be awful. They're not going to be any good. They can't win without Sean Payton. And I kept talking about it every day, essentially, it seemed like, on my show, that this is a team that was had a winning record last year, despite two bouts of COVID, despite playing four different quarterbacks, including one named Ian Book and the other one named Trevor Simeon. Despite not having Michael Thomas, they still nearly made the playoffs, and the roster got better. Not worse, but better. And the still the narrative was, they're going to suck. Now, all of a sudden, one journalist, namely Peter King, says, I think the Saints are going to be really good. They're going to be a 12-5 and team and win the division. And now, all of a sudden, national media is tripping over themselves to talk about the Saints being uh, one of the best teams in the NFC. Uh, what happened?
3: You know, it's it's been a kind of puzzling coverage uh, nationally. You know, obviously... People don't like the way that Mickey Loomis operates. I think a lot of the uh, cap experts out there and uh, armchair GMs in in, in the national media field uh, don't like the way the Saints operate from a financial standpoint. They don't like the way the Saints operate from a draft pick management standpoint. Uh, And yet what's undeniable, if you look at the last five years, is the Saints are a top five winning team in the league. And, uh, you know, so, so the proof is in the pudding. And certainly there's a lot of success there. And look, this is a different era, and, and I, I think in some ways it's only natural to think bad cap situation, Drew Brees is gone, Sean Payton is retired, and now it, it, we're ushering a new era with the Saints. And and I think on some level, the media maybe has a little bit of fatigue with there being success in New Orleans, and so uh, they feel like maybe it's the time for them to regress, right? Sean Payton's gone, Drew Brees is gone, this is a new era, and so... We should have to take our lumps for a while. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. Mickey Loomis doesn't accept that. And, and that's why he operates the way he does. He, you know, obviously he's going to kick the can. He's going to push the limits of what he can do financially to make sure that he keeps a competitive team. Uh, they're going to be aggressive in the draft, find the guys that they've identified are, are the best guys for this team. and And they're going to supplement their roster that way. And, look, I think that works when you have a deep roster and not a lot of spots to offer players. And uh, look, I, certainly I think you could poke holes in the Saints' strategy, but the reality is they do have a good team and it doesn't really matter how they got their quarterback. looking out. you mentioned the health last year. They had four quarterbacks, they had five kickers. Yeah. Uh, co- COVID cost them two games alone. If you talk about the coaching staff against Carolina being wiped out and then the players being wiped out against Miami, uh, they basically had two forfeits last year because of COVID. Uh, so for them to have a winning record last year was, was truly remarkable. And that was with the 32nd passing offense in the league dead last. Uh, there's nowhere to go, but up uh, offensively. I think they're going to be much, much better this year. And when you look at the playmakers, whether they have Michael Thomas or not uh, the addition of Jarvis Landry, Chris Olave, uh, I, I just think they're much further along. So, uh, I, I think the media, the national media is slowly coming to that realization, Raymond, uh, but it certainly took them some time. But look, I, I think this big is good in terms of this game is really big in terms of narrative because I think if the Saints crush Atlanta, uh, we'll see a lot of tails between their legs uh, in terms of what people said in the offseason about the Saints. But if they lose, we're immediately going back to the I told you so.
1: Well, I want to talk about Jameis Winston. Because I am high on him, and I feel at times I'm a, I'm a minority in that regard. Look, the guy has skill. The guy has talent. You don't throw for 5,000 yards in a season if you don't, right? You have to be able to play this game. I'm high on him. I think he's humble. I think he's put in the work. I think he's developed some chemistry with Michael Thomas, and I think Jarvis Landry is going to be huge in Jameis' development. I said it the other day. If healthy, and if the line is healthy, and those are big what-ifs, I understand. I expect Jameis Winston, with this offense, 4,000 yards, 35 touchdowns, 15 picks. And if he does that, I think this team, the floor for this team, if healthy, with Jameis playing that way, the floor is 10-11 wins, the ceiling's probably 12-13 to wins. Am I absolutely bananas crazy on this?
3: Well, well. First of all, if he puts up those kind of numbers, I I think the Saints are a Super Bowl contender because they already have the elite defense, and if they have a quarterback that's playing, let's call it in a top twelve, top ten in the league, in yeah, yeah, bats, but yeah,
1: but yeah, but borderline top ten.
3: Yeah, borderline top ten. I, I I then I do think this is a Super Bowl contending team. So it's certainly a playoff team. So I I agree with you there. You know, I think the Saints are being smart about Jameis. You know, going back to last year. Obviously, Sean Payton didn't trust him. And and in Sean Payton's defense, I feel like the training wheels were starting to come off right when he got hurt. Because in that Tampa game where he got injured and tore his ACL, he was slinging the ball. And he was was looking really good doing it. And I I think leading up to that point, Sean Payton was very much like, hey, you got to prove to me that you're not going to turn the ball over. That you're not going to be reckless. And I I do think Jameis Winston proved that. He, He proved he humbled himself and he proved that he could be a game manager. I I don't know that he maybe did it as well as some quarterbacks and certainly wasn't accurate in the short passing game necessarily. So there were, there were some things that weren't great about the time that he was playing quarterback for the saints last year, but he proved that he could be a game manager and he proved that he could not turn the football over. And, and that was a big deal because again, that goes against his instincts that goes against, Everything he's done leading up to this point in his career where he was a complete gunslinger and he, he, he changed the narrative on himself. Uh, And I really do think as the season progressed, Sean Payton would have given him more and more trust. And so that's the biggest lament I have about the injury. It's obviously besides just missing him for that amount of time. It was, we never really got to see what Jameis Winston could have been with Sean Payton as he progressed in this offense. Uh, But now you fast forward to this year I think they're being really smart about it. I think what they're trying to do this year is get more vertical, set up play action. I really believe Jameis Winston is a top five play action quarterback specifically in this league. I think when he sets up play action and he's got good protection and he has the the ability and the time to look downfield and get vertical, he can really do some damage and really hurt you because he can make all the throws. And so I think the weapons that the Saints have added are going to allow him the ability to play that way. They're going to have to establish the run with Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram. You know, those are going to be big components to setting up Jameis Winston for success. Pass protection is going to be really important. So the offensive line and play up front is going to be important for him to have a good season. Uh, But as long as those things complement him, and I think the saints have gone a big way towards protecting him and giving him a better offense to work with. uh, I, I do think he's set up for success. Now it's going to be up to him to see how he plays, but. Uh, I'm with you, Raymond. I'm I'm more optimistic than some about how he's going to play this year. And I think those those stats that you point out, look, that's probably the ceiling. That's probably best-case scenario. But I do think it's in play.
1: Let's talk Taysom Hill because there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of buzz about him, and I think that may be the best thing for him and the best thing for the team. I think him being put in the spotlight possibly kind of hurt them and, and, and hurt his development. He's going to be in the joker role, but he's not going to be your starting tight end. The initial depth chart came out. That's going to be Troutman. Can you see a scenario where the Saints are wildly successful on offense and Taysom Hill is really just a footnote and he's barely even part of what they do?
3: No, I I, I don't see it that way. I I still look, I I think not only is it important for him to be out of the spotlight, I think it's important for Jameis Winston for him to be out of the spotlight. You know, this is Jameis Winston's team now, uh, but I expect, Taysom Hill to still take snaps at quarterback and run the Taysom power. You know, on third and short, that's a very effective play. It's worked for the Saints. It's It's been almost automatic at moving the chains. And why wouldn't you continue to do that? Uh, I do think he'll have a role on on as a tight end. I think he'll play more in that position. He's a good blocker. He can catch. He can run. So, you know, I think he has all the skill sets to do some damage at that position. And so I think the Saints will continue to move him around. And I think he's a weapon that the Saints will utilize. Um, You know, Now, listen, part of him being quiet this offseason has been the injury. He's been banged up a lot, and he's not getting any younger. So, uh, you know, there is some concern about longevity, 17-game season. How much can they get out of him? So we'll have to keep an eye on that. But I do think he'll be a prominent part of this offense. And, look, I think, obviously, with game plans, that changes week to week. I don't know that he's ever going to be a 20-touch volume kind of guy. But I I think, you know, from three touches one week to – seven or eight the next week i i think you'll have some significant involvement all
1: right bud only got a minute but it's yours give me your prediction and why for sunday's opener in atlanta between the saints and the dirty birds
3: you know i kind of oscillate here uh raymond because at times i'm like fancy
1: college word word. alert
3: well listen i gotta i gotta live up to this bougie uh, reputation so, you know, on, on some level, I'm thinking 31-17, Saints blowout win. They should take this one easily. They're the much better team, the much better roster. Atlanta, they could easily be a five-win or less-win team this year. I, I I think this could be a brutal year for Atlanta. Uh, but, you know, look, things get weird. This is the home opener for Atlanta. It's in, it's, it's in Atlanta. I do expect a lot of Saints fans, but it's a home opener for the Falcons. Divisional matchup. Things always get weird in this matchup, and so – I could see it getting a little bit closer, but this is a game that the Saints have to take. I, I just think they're a far superior team. I expect them to win, and uh, I'm going to go with Jarvis Landry as, as my player of the game. I think Jarvis Landry is going to come out, two touchdowns, have a big game, uh, maybe a lot of attention on Michael Thomas, and uh, Landry is going to step up. and he's, he's developed a lot of chemistry, uh, by the way, with uh, Jameis Winston since Michael Thomas has been out, so I, I'm expecting big big things from him in this game.
1: Andrew, we always expect big things from you, and you always deliver, my friend. You come up clutch. You are the goat of our Saints guest here on RP3 and Company. Enjoy your week, my friend. We'll talk to you next Wednesday.
3: Looking forward to it. Thanks, Raymond.
1: we got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, we'll finalize the poll question of the day. We'll get you set up for Kevin Foot and footnotes, and we have someone who's fully supportive of our new intern extraordinaire's NFL team's his passion, his fandom, if you will. We'll share that with you next right here on the Game Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. All Time is running out for you to score tickets to see the Houston Astros live in person. Go register in the Game Rewards Club to win four tickets to see Houston take on Tampa Bay Saturday, October the 1st. We'll even throw in a tour of the ballpark and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. This is the last Astros Weekend giveaway of the regular season. Astros Weekend getaways are powered by Butcher AC, Love Meridian, Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. I want to take a moment to thank our guest, Ron Higgins from Tiger Details, Jim Klein, Peter from the Baton Rouge Advocate, and Andrew Juge from the Saints Happy Hour Podcast. And our new intern extraordinaire, Moses Campos, has a friend. Moses got a great head on his shoulders. Can't go wrong being a Cowboys fan. I want to hear him say, we them boys on air by the time y'all sign off today. Y'all need to keep them around for a long time. That's from our guy, Martin, out of Erath and die hard Dallas Cowboys fan. He is a fan of our new intern foodie poll question of the day do you eat ramen noodles dry like five names that's what we asked you and overwhelmingly y'all said uh no 95 percent no five percent say yes thank you for all who commented who all voted on the poll question of the day that's going to do it for us for the new intern extraordinaire moses campos the producer extraordinaire Hannah, five names, and of course Steve Wiley. I'm Raymond Parch, a third, better known as RP3. We'll do it all again tomorrow, six to nine, live right here from the Game Studios in Upper Lafayette. But coming up next, Kevin Foot and Footnotes. You're
7: listening to the Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.